often, Black women are a mere afterthought in conversations around wellness, but not in this space. On this podcast, the dialogue is always centered around women like you. Welcome to the podcast, but more importantly, welcome to the tribe. Be well, sis. What is your North Star or guiding principle by which you live your life? Hello, hello, and welcome back to the Be Well Sis podcast. I am your host, Cassandra Dunbar. I realized that I haven't checked in with you guys in the past few episodes, so how has life been treating you? And more importantly, how have you been treating yourself? We're in the month of March, which is Women's History Month. And with that said, I'd like to wish all of you a happy Women's History Month and to thank you for all the ways you're changing and impacting your families, communities, workplaces, society at large. And if nobody's told you, you're amazing, you're appreciated, and you're loved. With it being Women's History Month, I thought it would be appropriate to speak on Black economics and entrepreneurship with a woman who is paving the way for successful Black entrepreneurship in Atlanta. It's no secret that Black women are the fastest growing segment of entrepreneurs in the U.S., and that's for many reasons, from inequity in the workplace, underemployment, microaggressions, and so much more. And according to Dr. Lakeisha Hallman, who is today's guest, entrepreneurship is a substantial pathway for Black Americans to achieve economic equality and to tackle the racial wealth gap. That's the mission that we are on at the Village Market. So affectionately known as Dr. Key, she moves businesses from sales to success and inspires them to become doers, supporters, and leaders of change. The Mission Forward Visionary advocates and empowers artisans, creators, and, and burgeoning Black businesses who want to thrive. After founding the Village Market in 2016, she has reached and served over 1,400 businesses and facilitated $6.3 million of direct sales to Black-owned businesses. Now with several verticals under the Village Market moniker, Dr. Key has recently expanded her village to include her storefront, the Village at Pont City Market in Atlanta, which is a curated collection of premier Black businesses. She is dedicated to living and implementing the changes that we seek. My conversation with Dr. Key left me almost speechless because everything she said was so timely for what I was experiencing at the time. Being an entrepreneur was not on my vision board for life. I never saw that for myself, but because I experienced some of the things that led other Black women to step out into their own, I too have made that pivot. So far, my journey of entrepreneurship has been one where I really had to do a lot of soul examination and where I discovered a lot of who I am. And I've also found that this journey can be isolating, especially for women of color who are often overlooked for funding and opportunities. In our conversation, Dr. Key emphasized the importance of community, finding your tribe, and shares her why. In speaking with Dr. Key, I heard such a clarity, calmness, and sureness in just everything that she said. So I just had to ask her about her self-care practice. Then she shared some of the ways in which she finds peace and joy in an often chaotic world. The conversation is insightful whether or not you're an entrepreneur. There's just so much wisdom in this conversation. So without further ado, let's get into the convo. Oh, wait, before we do, just a reminder to leave a five-star rating and review on whatever streaming platform you listen on. Now that Spotify has ratings, I'm on a mission to get to our first 50 reviews. So if you listen there, please leave a rating. And if you listen on Apple, I'm trying to get to our to 200 ratings and reviews, and I'm trusting that my people, which are you, will get us there. Again, thank you, thank you, thank you so much for joining. I am so, so glad you're here. Be well, sis. 
So thank you so, so much for joining today. Today, I have a special guest. I have Dr. Lakeisha Hallman, who is the founder of The Village Market. Um, how are you today? I'm awesome. Super excited to have this conversation with you. Thank you for having me. Oh, thank you for being here. This is great. Um, so I've been a fan of the Village Market for a minute. I first noticed you guys, I think it was like last year where um, you had the campaign talking about support is a verb. And I saw the t-shirts and the merch. I'm like, first of all, visually it's beautiful. And secondly, it made me think like, yeah, support really is a verb, you know? Um, so if you could, if you could please share your why, why did you start the Village Market? I started the Village Market for a number of reasons. I'm a firm believer of community and what happens when like minds, like spirit get in the same space. I think there's something that is unleashed in the community um, that's hopeful, that's nostalgic even, and also deeply impactful when intentional people get together. Now, what that translates to, um, there's an economic crisis in our country. Um, there is a growing narrative between the have and the have not. And in the middle of that have and have not is an income gap and also the inability for Black people to tap into what generational wealth can be. I'm a firm believer that entrepreneurship is the pathway for that in order for Black entrepreneurs to be able to accelerate the way that we can and to be high achieving and high grossing to hire people within our same communities to rebuild and reimagine our same communities. It takes a village to do that. And in 2016, this was my, and continues to be my North Star, that I know that there is something almost utopian-like for Black people, if we're intentional, if we have an insulated community, have a village that understands the assignment. And that's what I've been aspiring to do for the last almost six years. I love it. Um, I love a couple of things. I love that you have a North Star. I feel like a lot of us drift through life without a real North Star, without a real direction. And we feel purposeful, purposeless because we don't know what we're, where we're trying to go to. So I really, really love that. And um, the piece about how important it is for us to have community and that, you know, reimagining what our future, what our present could actually be um, if we have um, the economics to back it up. Um, you're from the education space, right? I'm not mistaken. Yes. No, you're absolutely right. I'm forever an educator. And so I spent over 13 years in traditional education from classroom teaching to leadership to moving to research and evaluation with the Georgia Department of Education. So how did you make that transition or how did you bring these two worlds together? How'd you step into this space? I think those who've been called and have been pre-positioned at birth to be educators, I think education has a way of just drifting wherever you go. Mm -hmm. And so I'm still, a, I'm still an educator. I just get to teach in a different way. Mm -hmm. uh, I used to be confined by four walls and teaching English uh, to high schoolers. Now I get to teach entrepreneurship and also talk about some of my favorite books still. It's just the way that I teach is different. And I think that is true for any educator who leaves the traditional world of, of education. But I can't imagine those things, those tradi foundational traditional things that are very important in education now, especially from research and evaluation, 
Um, marrying those worlds for me is ensuring that there's a practice in place, that there's structure in place, there's KPIs and entrepreneurship that I'm very clear on what I'm building. And that looks like a curriculum, that looks like a, sibil- a syllabus. The same thing that I did in education, I apply it to, to the village. But the most important thing that anchors any education is understanding that it is not always my job to be the steward of the knowledge is to create space so the knowledge can be shared. Hmm. So I I jumped into it so quickly because I was excited to talk to you. So for those who may not know, what is the village market? Yeah, for those who um, don't know, where where y'all been? The village market (laughs) is amazing. (laughs) The village market is absolutely amazing. We are a growing community of Black entrepreneurs who are extremely gifted and talented, fearless, um, and also a community of, of those who may not be entrepreneurs, but community who decided that I am going to buy Black. I'm going to buy intentionally. I'm going to share my resources. I'm going to make sure that buying Black becomes a lifestyle. And so we're all of that. I, I tell people that we were Wakanda before the movie. It's very clear um, how black people are uh, felt, how black people are celebrated in in the village, and that celebration that you spoke of about our supporters of Verb campaign, how beautiful that is. That's what happens when black people get together. Mm-hmm. So, from the entrepreneurial sense, I think when people are small business owners, and I don't want to generalize, but I think a lot of times what happens is we step out and we're scared. And we don't look at our neighbor who's in the entrepreneurial space as like our collaborator, but rather as competition. So from your perspective, how are some ways that we can overcome the competitive mindset and look at things as a collaborative or as a collective? Sure. You know, I think most importantly, it's always important to call a thing a thing. Mm -hmm. None of us are willing well enough to compete against each other. Because the little bit that we have is not enough by, by way of the talent that we possess. Mm-hmm. And so the competition should never be inside of our community because we're all fighting against that same granular piece of sand. Mm-hmm. And so we, when, you, when you've been given a, a parcel of sand, then you think you won. But when you understand that there's literally a whole beach that's filled with sand, that we're shooting for something too small. And so I think it's important for us to level set in that way, that none of us have been able to achieve the level of success that we're number one deserving of, but to be in a space where we are competing. Um, Why collaboration is so important is when we have to understand what the target is. And the target is that it's true that rising tides lift all boats and lift all ships. That in order for us to really be high achieving, you really need the person next door to you to be high achieving as well. Mm-hmm. Now, I am competitive by nature. So I do think there has to be a competitive entrepreneurial grit that you have. But that competition should be internal, that you want to be your absolute best. When people consider marketing, that they think about you. When, think, when people consider a customer service, that they think about you but you're not trying to out customer service the person next to you. You're trying to make sure that your parameter is so high that you're literally exceeding your own goals. That is the competition. It's an internal place. Mm-hmm. Oh, so, so true. Um, always just trying to be better than you were yesterday and just setting your own um, internal metric or metric of success. 
So, so true. Um, one thing that I liked looking when I was looking at your site is um, you mentioned there was something was mentioned about just embracing the blackness and all the various forms that it comes in and just not shying away from that. Or maybe it was a podcast interview that I listened to. Um, but one thing that I realized is that sometimes when we are in non-Black spaces, um, we may have trouble showing up fully as ourselves because of past traumas, essentially in non-white spaces. What are your tips for those who are struggling to, to show up as themselves authentically in non-Black spaces, if that makes any sense? The biggest tip is grace. It's okay if you are Black in non-Black spaces, if you're colorful in non-Black spaces, uh, if you so outside of the box in non-Black spaces that you feel intimidated. I mean, the majority of the world in which we live in is non-Black. Mm -hmm. If we go into high grocery stores, if we go to the grocery store, we don't see ourselves. And so we've been, we've been trained subconsciously to conform. And so I think it is a knee-jerk reaction to feel that you have to shrink, to be less of yourself. And not it because being anything more is being too much. And so that tip is offer yourself grace. Give yourself space to breathe through those moments. And if you get in a car and you almost failed at the way that you wanted to walk tall, it's cool. But there's no embarrassment that you're learning to walk differently, that you're learning to like literally carry your color differently, to carry your black girl and black boy magic differently. It is, it takes intentionally doing it to the place that you do it without thinking. But every time that we step in a space that we've never been in, it's us practicing and undoing all the times that we did something so robotic. When we conflate, when we conform, but we must offer ourselves grace because this is the way that we arrived in this country. Mm-hmm. And I don't think conversations could be missed without the generational subconsciousness of trauma mm-hmm. and that being tall and being anything more is that if you become a target and you become a threat. But I say all that to say, you have to keep doing it. We have to keep showing up beautifully as who we are fully, because we have so many examples now of what happens when black men and black women show up fully. We, we shift culture and we determine what this country responds to. That's so powerful. It's the top of the year and many of us have recommitted to taking better care of our bodies. And if you're with me, let me enlist you in on a cheat code, Athletic Greens. In order to ensure that I was giving my body the proper vitamins and nutrients, I used to take a handful of assortments of big old capsules. Child, I'm talking at least five to six separate pills each and every day. And if I was in a rush, I'd skip them all together because I didn't have the time. However, One tasty scoop of Athletic Greens contains 75 minerals, vitamins, and whole food source ingredients, including a multivitamin, multimineral, probiotic, green superfood blend, and more that all work together to fill the nutritional gaps in my diet, increase my energy and focus, aid with my digestion, and support a healthy immune system without the need to take multiple products or pills. I've made my routine so much simpler while ensuring that I give my body what it needs. So join me. Simply visit athleticgreens.com slash bewellsis and get your free year supply of vitamin D and five free travel packs today. 
Yes, a free year supply of high quality vitamin D to help ward off the winter blues, upregulate your immune system, and so much more when you redeem your offer at athleticgreens.com slash be well sis. Um, I was having a conversation, I think a couple of weeks ago about, um, it was about natural hair and how nowadays we are more comfortable wearing our natural hair, even though um, we're not fully protected legally from discrimination for how we wear our hair, right? Um, and this woman was saying how she, when she first wore her hair natural, her grandparents were just like, no, don't do it. Like, you know, you look unkept, this and the other thing. And I was like, yes, that's wrong for them to have said that, but it comes from a place, back to what you're saying, um, the history of trauma, of showing up as yourself, the way you're, in the example of hair, the way that your hair grew out of your scalp or goes out of your scalp, it was penalized very harshly um, back in our parents and our grandparents' days, right? Um, so giving ourselves and giving people around us grace um, because we're speaking from or we're acting from experience or speaking from experience in the in um, natural hair that makes any sense. I feel like I kind of went off on a tangent, but do you feel me? <laughs> I feel you. No, that wasn't a tangent. I, I hear you loud and clear. Uh, I think anything. I, Bell Hooks talk in the book all about love. She talks about um, that our families, our grandparents, our parents form a love for us as survival. Mm-hmm. And so one of the means that Black people and also non-Black people of color in this country, the way that they have been able to survive is passing. Um, and so I know that when grandparents, and even I've, I've had natural hair now, I feel like since the 80s, but I remember when I decided to go natural in the early 2000s, um, my grandmother was like, this is what happens when you, when, when, when you decide that you Angela Davis Jr. And I was like, you're right. Um, you know, this is what we're doing right now because I remember when you did it, I've seen the pictures, there's evidence of it. And I had to, when my mother was living, I had to tell her the same thing, um, that I am a reflection of the power that they put in me. Mm. And so that's, I think that's the way that we can retrain our grandparents and parents when we know that they're operating from a place of fear. Yeah. And you say, but you birthed me this way. This is the power that you put in me to stand tall and to show up unapologetically as myself. Ooh, that's beautiful and powerful. One thing that I like to, um, I always like to ask, because I'm a reader, I'm trying to get back into reading more, is if there was a book that you could recommend, and it could be about anything at all, not just entrepreneurship or um, things of that nature, what would it be? We we just talked about it. I think for for Black folks, uh, yeah, all about love by Bell Hooks. I mean, I think everything comes from a place of understanding what we need to undo Mm. and how we've been trained to think about love and care and nurture. If we can unlock that and redefine what love, nurture, protection, boundaries, uh, space keeping, safety is for us, then we can show up in a world more freer. Mm-hmm. And I think Bell Hooks does that in such a mothering and also also in an auntie kind of way too. Uh, she really would challenge, uh, she would challenge things that you've experienced and we've experienced, but also there's a safety in her words that if she's experienced and people fall in love with this book, that many of us have experienced it. And so that is the grace again, 
that we must have for each other is wherever you grew up, and I grew up in Mississippi, that probably a lot of our upbringing and what and how love was shown to us, especially from a place of survival, is the same. Mm-hmm. That means there's a, a, a way that we should look at each other in, our, in each other's eyes, and that's from a space of compassion. Mm, yeah. Um, one thing that you said in the beginning was um, learning all these things to unpack it. And sometimes it's just so daunting, all of the things that we took in, either consciously or subconsciously, right? It's the more we learn about how much work there is to be done, you know, not only on a personal level, but, you know, at the community level too. Sometimes it's like, who is this even feasible? Um, and I know the answer. The answer is yes. It just takes work, right? Um, I, I have the All About Love book and it's not a thick book at all, but every single like paragraph I had to like marinate on because it's just there was so much packed in, in each little paragraph. It's a lot. <laughs> it's a lot. It's a lot. Yeah, I think everything you just named um, is a lot. And I don't think it's our, especially in community work, the assignment is not to do all the things. It's to focus on the thing that you individually do well. Um, there's no reason for a village if we look at all the troubles, all the peril all the beauty, all the gifts in our community. And we think that we have the power to tackle all those things. No, we have to tackle to, we have to tackle that thing that we were designed to do mm-hmm. and then champion the other person to do the thing that they were designed to do. That's why we need a village. And I'm packing trauma and things that we've experienced in our childhood. I'm 39 years old. If I decided to sit with that one day, that would be overwhelming for me. Yeah. And so how I phase out like the quarters of my life there's something intentionally I want to work on for this quarter. That is the thing that I want to heal. That's the little girl that I want to focus on, that part of my childhood. But I don't try to take all the things. It's like reading a book. If I'm underlining one sentence to marinate on, I'm not marinating on the whole page. Because we're people that have to get up and go in the world and, and do the best we can to survive. And not just survive, but thrive. And so we, if we spend every single day focused on the trauma, I don't know how well we can we can take those baby steps and, and become big steps to move forward. So I, I, I chunk my trauma uh, and things that I've experienced and I focus on them quarterly. And if I need to focus on something longer than a quarter, I, I do. But I'm very gentle with myself. Um, I know that I respond best to that gentleness. Hmm. I, I love how you said that. Um, I never even considered that one person per se shouldn't change the world. It's me, I do my part and I help you to do your part and then together we can do it. That's, it, it's um, simple, but like so profound to me. Like it makes all the sense in the world. I feel like one thing that I'm working through deconditioning myself from is the idea of just the nuclear family and being just so detached from the community. I, I speak to self-care a lot on the podcast and I just, in the past few months, I've been realizing that self-care is not just for me. It's for me to get better, to be better for the people around me and to help advance the community. Wow, you said a lot and I'm thinking on it. Thank you. <laughs> and, and, You're welcome. and I think when you talk about pretty much compartmentalizing um, different parts, so working on one part of your healing so that way you can 
you won't be overwhelmed with all of it and sitting with all of the, the hurt and all those things. If you don't, you'll have no space for joy. So with that, what is something that's brought you some joy in the past few days? Yeah. Oh, that's such a good question. Um, I'm, I'm, I'm a joy seeker. So that's a really, really great question. Um, I wake up super early in the mornings and I go either I ride my bike or I go on walks. But late yesterday, I didn't take my walk yesterday morning, but late yesterday evening, I went for a run and I walked back home and I just took a moment and looked at the trees for a long time. And I just became overwhelmed with so much gratitude. Um, and it was simply because the day felt good, mm. that the world felt peaceful, that the lady next to me was listening to some music that I was like, well, I've been to as well. And that we looked at each other and laughed. And she said, I can't wait until I get to this, this green space so I can just sit down and bask in the sun. And I said, well, we'll walk together until we get into the green space. And we just, as two black women who are strangers, mm-hmm. we held space to just be. Yeah. to take in the glory of just how beautiful yesterday was just in that moment. And I, that is like my two handfuls of joy today, because when I got home, I said, that felt so good. And what I didn't do was turn my computer on. I journaled about that, mm-hmm. how easy connection can be, like how walking with a stranger on a beautiful day, taking in the trees, taking in nature, how we can experience that if we allow ourselves to. Mm. Mm. so beautiful if there's one thing that's been like a silver lining for me for the pandemic has been getting back out in nature and just realizing just how beautiful it is and just how for lack of a better word just how blessed um I am to be in a space that has a ton of trees and that I'm safe to walk around in and stuff like that so I I get that that's so real um, so what is coming up for the village um, market? What can we expect in the coming months? We can expect um, for all entrepreneurs, they will understand when I say this, a lot more work. The work never stops, uh, <laughs> but the work is leading to, to very good things. And so uh, we're looking, we opened up a retail space last November so in the next couple of months, we'll be celebrating our year anniversary with our retail space located upon City Market. So we're excited about that because we, um, this was a pandemic birth arm of the business. Um, and also in the next couple of months, we look to expand, hopefully to other locations, keep our incubator program elevate, thriving. And so we will launch our next, our next cohort of businesses next year. So we're excited about that. And just to continue to push the mission forward, that is something that is happening today. That's something that's going to ha- happen tomorrow. But we're going to continue to push the mission um, that Black entrepreneurship is something that should be respected and celebrated and that Black entrepreneurs should be seen as the gifts um, that, that we are and how we contribute to society as a whole and culture as, as a whole. Oh, I love that. First of all, happy anniversary. That is huge, especially given the type of year that we've had. So that's amazing for the retail space. Um, And I saw pictures online. It's gorgeous. Um, I I was watching uh, an interview you had and you were um, talking about the hands that made it, the artists that that made it. And it was, that's just really inspiring. And I love the intentionality 
behind everything you do. You do things and it's not just by happenstance. I think that's a beautiful example for, for uh, all of us, really. I mean, whatever we do, be intentional about it. So congrats. Thank you so much. I think the success comes in intentionality. Um, and success and how we measure that doesn't mean that success is easy. It's not. I think we experience all the birth pains, all, all the pressures, but being intentional keeps you understanding that you are on course and that you're on, on your path. So I really appreciate, um, you know, that, that love and support and that you're able to see the hard work of not just myself, uh, but the labor and the dedication of my team. I, I appreciate that. Um, and I have one more question for you before we wrap up. Um, what are some ways that budding entrepreneurs can cultivate community um, if they're outside of Atlanta, per se? Um, they're somewhere else and they're trying to find their tribe. What are some ways that you can think of? Sure, for um, entrepreneurs that's trying to find your, your, your tribe and of course, entrepreneurs are all over the country. And so you find peers, go to those, um, especially the, the native companies in your community, small businesses in your community, find out who the owner is, ask that owner um, for, for lunch, for tea, get together a group of entrepreneurs and pull them on Zoom and ask, you know, you know what can we intentionally do together in our community where we're building? Um, and that is honestly the easiest thing to do is just to reach out and say, you know, this is my mission and, and this is what I do. This is what I love and admire about your mission. Can we connect and get more and more people to connect to that? I think that's the intentionality, but nothing great can be built alone. I think for all entrepreneurs, there's a, there's a space of loneliness that you're going to experience as you grow and accelerate. Just understand that that's natural, but it's unnatural to stay without a community. Like we are best when we are connected. We thrive when we are intentionally aligned and, and, and connected. So doing all that self-work and all the self-love is where we begin to attract people of like spirit and like mind. And that's the company that we want to be in. It's not always so super uh, celebrated people with a big profile and all these things. All these things is great as well. But being able to see peer to peer, people who are just in a good space in their life and a good space in their body, these are the type of relationships that you want because they are most times less contentious because you are attracting another well person. Mm. Wow, the way you are speaking to me, the loneliness in entrepreneurship is so real and something that I just did not expect. Yeah, it's it's hard. It's hard, but it's, it's so hard. And I don't know if we spend enough time talking about it because we're always talking yeah. about hitting numbers and getting sales. And as you grow you a lot of you outgrow people and I don't know how many of us really want to outgrow their safety net we're just forced out of it um and it's hard and growth is hard even when you're winning in a major way it is very very hard um to sit with that that loneliness of that but I do know that it's like anything else you literally just have to see it through because from, I can only speak from my lived experience. There's something else on the other side of it that is beautiful, that is very accepting and warm. Um, you would just find your community that continues to push you and encourage you and that doesn't want anything from you just for you to be successful. You speak like you have such clarity um, in how you speak. So what I'm saying is you come from a place, you sound like you come from a place of like real acceptance. Are you in therapy? 
<laughs> uh, I am in therapy, but I don't let you, the clarity that you hear from me, um, it's the intentionality I have around my spiritual work. Mm. Um, the reason why I'm accepting is because I truly understand the foundations and the roots of grace. Mm. But thankfully for my amazing therapist who I pay every week and who I love every single week, um, I'm thankful for her. But what you hear in me is my dedication to my spiritual growth. What are some ways that you tap into your spiritual work into your spiritual self in order to propel you in your, in your business? Oh, great, great question. Um, I really lean into the stillness. Um, that's every day. I spend some time. I think some people call it meditation, but for me, it's just the quiet. Mm-hmm. I spend time. I center in the quiet every day. Um, I write every day because writing makes me happy. I go outside every day because going outside brings me joy. Mm-hmm. And so, what I'm saying, I tap into the things that I am the happiest. We're not a happy that is induced by anything toxic but a happiness that is induced in something that is only love. I care so much about that. And I think that's where spirituality exists, is, is a level of groundedness that's only peaceful. I tap into this every day. Um, I make room for it every day. It doesn't matter how busy I may be. It doesn't matter how many meetings or things like that. I do not compromise for my time in the quiet. Mm. And in that quiet time, I live in complete and utterly presence of gratitude for help, for clarity, for strength, for moments that I was weak, for moments I needed to to cry about things, moments that I was frustrated. I think I live in that gratitude that if I'm sitting in it, I must have survived it. Mm. Oh, wow. You are, um, and this sounds super corny, but you have such a a beautiful spirit and I'm so, so grateful to have had this moment with you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. And thank you so much for having me. It means a great deal. I think there's never any accidents. I'm so happy to be in your community, in your energy, in your space. And, and I get to share, uh, you know, some things that I love and, and I love us. I love black people. So I really appreciate you allowing me to be in in, in your vortex. (laughs) Thank you. Thank you. Um, Before we wrap up, is there anything that I missed that you want to share? Or about? Uh, I think the only thing that I would share, especially for, you know, entrepreneurs that stay the course, we have work to do. Rest when you need to. Uh, make sure your community is solid, is loving and affirming people. Also, some people who can be constructively critical that they push the greatness out of us. But, but stay the course and treat people well and treat yourself well. Mm, amen. Treat yourself well, too. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you, Dr. Lakeisha. Um, I will put all the information um, about the Village Market Atlanta um, down in the show notes, um, as well as your own Instagram, your website, all those good things too. Um, thank you. I appreciate you. Thank you so much. Hey, sis. Ever feel isolated while navigating the overwhelming amount of online wellness advice? Or have you tried wellness communities that either felt stale or just didn't feel right? The content and programming probably were great, but they just didn't resonate with you. 
Well, I am so happy to introduce the Inner Circle, which is a virtual community by Be Well Sis. It's a community of busy women who are curious about integrating wellness into their daily routines. Here, we're looking to answer the question, what does wellness mean to me? In the Inner Circle, we believe that it's more than just working out or plant-based eating, but also about your social connections, your routines, knowledge, and leisure. The goal of this community is to create an intimate, safe, and supportive space that champions you both on your good days and your bad ones. So listen, join us where our pillars are community, education, and accountability. We have members-only events to cultivate connection. We have monthly workshops led by soulful and just dope, insightful women. And we have accountability groups where you can be paired with a partner to help you get over whatever your hurdle may be. So join us at thebewellsis.com slash inner circle. Again, thebewellsis.com slash inner circle. Community is a foundation for success and I am so excited to see you there. Thanks again for listening to this episode of the Be Well Sis podcast. For more information on anything discussed in this episode, please see the show notes and or visit www.bewellsispodcast.com. Oh, and don't forget to leave a five-star rating on Apple. Until next time, be well, sis.